Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. One more hour to go, Wes and Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kyle Bailey will be with you right after that. Send some Hornets pregame coverage. Hornets taking on the Brooklyn Nets a little bit later after that. 7.30 tip, I believe, is that Hornets-Brooklyn Nets matchup. People riding in to the Garage Door Guru text line, 704-570-9610. A couple people riding in the sports uh, events that they would most like to have attended. NASCAR Brad telling you he'd like to see when Dale won the Daytona 500 in 1998. TFB rode in the USC versus Texas Rose Bowl. 828 number rode in Hank Aaron 715. Seeing that on TV, that would be nice. Yeah, that'd be a very cool one to have attended to see Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run. Matt in Greensboro wrote the 1980 uh, Miracle on Ice. So there are a few sporting events there. Wes, we did not get to your top five. What are your top five sports events you would most like to have attend? Well, now that a couple of things I had to change. Uh, Okay. Uh, uh, five, I had the, the Brady comeback on the Falcons. I thought that was nuts, like something I'd never seen before. So you also have Super Bowl 51. Yes. Uh, number four, though, I just changed. That's why I thought about it when you brought up uh, the Olympics. I said I would have loved to have been at a Dream Team game. That's a good one. Yeah. The problem is you you knew what you were going to get, but it would have been did, cool to have seen that. but it still would have been ill to see that. Then number three, uh, the Lakers' last championship with Kobe in 2010. Uh you know, whichever game closed. That was game. I, that was game seven. That went to seven games in Boston. Yeah. I believe Kobe. No, it was in L.A. because oh, that LA? was a game okay. that Kobe shot really bad and Artest played great because I did not sit down that whole game. That's when I was. A there Lakers you go. Fan. OK, so I it was did not it, sit down the whole game. L.A. game seven against the, the Boston Celtics. Yes. They got that championship. Uh, then number two, USC, Texas Rose Bowl. And then a uh, number one, 50. Can you guess what my number one would be? Is there some Wake Forest Final Four appearance or something like that? I mean, way back in like 1961 right. or whatever. Oh, I wouldn't have been able to sit in the seats. That's uh, when Dickie Hemrick was playing for them? Right. I wouldn't um, have been able to have a seat. <laughs> mm. I don't have a guess yes, for you. you the 94 Super Bowl, baby. Niners when Steve Young went up in there and lit up the Chargers. Ricky Waters, one of the greatest teams ever. The Chargers would have been like the fourth best team in the NFC. That's fine, but they smashed their Cowboys, though. Talk about that. Uh, We want to talk about that or what? What about Dwight Clark's catch? Yeah, because who did they beat to get there? Okay, yeah, I thought yeah, so. They, they beat. Yeah, when we had oh. Dion, when Dion shut down Michael Irvin, and you know what I'm saying, we came and beat you down at the stick. I, I love that you brought up the catch, by the way. Okay. The catch. Go ahead and do Isn't the best part legend. of art of the play. That play should be called the throw. That throw that Joe Montana makes to throw Dwight Clark open is more impressive than anything Dwight Clark did because of where he – like it was Pat Mahomes before Pat Mahomes where he was, the difficulty <laughs> of the throw. So I wish we could just go back and call it the throw as opposed to the catch. Really, that man jumped through the roof of that stadium to get that ball. He barely got like two feet off the oh, ground. Oh, and you're not going to disrespect <laughs> that Queen City legend, Garinger High School, Dwight Clark. You're not going to do that. Yeah, I was about to say, man, the, the hatred to go back Seriously, and call the throw. God rest that man's soul. Pat Mahomes before Pat Mahomes. We did have somebody else write in. The Luke May shot, Elite Eight, to move on from Kentucky, from North Carolina. 
How much would you have liked to have attended that game? Where does that shot rank in Heels history, though? Like, I mean, it's a great shot. I loved watching it. Third. But there's so many other impressive. What's second? Page's shot against Nova to, to force overtime. Oh, even if that's not in That's a win. the greatest shot in Carolina basketball history. Jordan's Whoa. will always be one because of the oh, okay. importance of it. Is this now, are you just copying and pasting what Roy Williams said to Scott Fowler? Did you have a different opinion before Roy Williams said that a month ago? No, whenever that shot happened, that's that's the great that's the toughest, greatest shot I've ever seen in college basketball. I think the greatest shot was the one that came after that. I figured you did. I figured you would absolutely say that. <laughs> uh, somebody else wrote in, yeah, we've got a lot of people writing in stuff. The bird magic, nineteen. 1979 finals when you saw Indiana State and Michigan okay, State. Okay, I was about to say, college or, or Yeah, it, it's college. Somebody else wrote in something you might want to attend, Wes. WrestleMania 3, Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Oh, yeah, that would have been. We dope. said sporting events, not fantasy events. <laughs> Toon Squad versus Monstars. 704 number wrote in. That See, Michael been... Jordan stretch from half court to, to win the game. Spoiler alert. The Redeem Team versus Spain game. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that would have been a good one. That would have been good. Yeah, feel free to keep on texting us some of the sporting events you would have liked to uh, have attended. 704-570-9610. We'll take a look at this Seahawks game. The Carolina Panthers fresh off a bye taking on Seattle. Geno Smith really playing extremely well this year. Um, Mike Salk talked to Kyle. Uh, the Kyle Bailey show is where he appeared um, yesterday. Did Kyle first name basis? Was that kind of weird to call him Kyle? Yeah, yeah. I feel like we know each other well enough to call each other first name. Maybe not to the public. Yeah, that's yeah. he talked to Kyle. He's talking to my boy Kyle. Kyle who? Kyle Bailey? Kyle Petty's been in the building a time or three. He wasn't talking to Kyle Petty. He okay. was talking to the Kyle Bailey about this Carolina-Seattle matchup, and he was discussing how Carolina can't get too reckless against these DBs. On the other hand, they got some rookies back there, and if you take your chances throwing at Tariq Woolen, you're going to notice that he looks a whole lot like Richard Sherman did when he was in his prime. He's tall, he's long, he's faster than Sherman ever was. I mean, he's one of the fastest players in the league, and he is, you just got to wait to see him. The length on him is crazy. Quarterbacks are essentially not even looking his direction right now. So, it's a, you know, the Seahawks are an interesting team and a good matchup, I guess, for Carolina. Because of the physicality of, of the Panthers team. Tariq Woolen, one of the league leaders in interceptions. That's something that does stand out about the Seattle team. What's something else that stands out to you, Wes, about watching the Seahawks and the year they've had so far? Well, just uh, like I said, the, the the energy that they play with when you saw on the sideline on Sunday with Pete Carroll and those guys on the sideline jumping up and down like a college team. He's definitely back on his rah-rah game. Uh, with those guys, like I said, defensively, they give up a lot of points and yards, but they are one of the best teams in the NFL when you talk about uh, turnover margin. So, uh, But the thing that, you know, is the explosiveness in the passing game with the receivers that they have because they have uh, a quarterback in Geno Smith that likes to throw the football down the field and just how explosive they can be passing the football. That's the number one thing that sticks out in my mind. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's the wide receiver talent. It's DK Metcalf and it is Tyler Lockett. And it's those two guys. Look, maybe you can put J.C. Horn on one and it will help you out. It, it, it's not like one of these guys that you immediately go to J.C. Horn saying he's going to win that matchup, though, mm-hmm. because D.K. Metcalf, we just ranked the receivers in this game yesterday. We go D.K. Metcalf one, D.J. Moore two, Tyler Lockett at number three. 
So who do you think wins this matchup between J.C. Horn and D.K. Metcalf when Horn would be on their number one receiver? Who do you feel more comfortable uh, I'm with? I'm taking D.K. all day. Sorry. Um, you know, I think that D.K., he's just so hard to deal with even for the top corners. We see he gets the best of Jalen Ramsey. He gets the best of the lot, a lot of the top cornerbacks in the NFL. So I don't see D.K. really having much. It'll be a good matchup because J.C.'s a big, a big corner, so you like to see what that looks like. But I think just DK's speed, his physicality, and just his, you know, he's just a pure dog. He just wants to just annihilate whoever's in front of him. So in that matchup, I'm taking DK. There have been some games, and it was really in the middle part of the season that's happened so far, where he wasn't all that impressive, right? I don't know if there were any injuries that I'm missing out on here, but against the Chargers, he only had one catch for 12 yards. Against the Cardinals, he only had two catches for 34 yards, 37 yards on five receptions, but that was his other game against the Cardinals. So a couple of mediocre games against Arizona. There have been a few contests where DK did not show up. But if you look at DK, I feel like there is a comparison to be made here for DJ Moore. You know, DJ has been someone that has been over 1,100 yards each of the last three seasons, despite the best quarterback he's ever played with being Teddy Bridgewater. You go back to last year, man, DK Metcalf, he had 967 receiving yards. But again, that's with one extra regular season game still failing to reach a thousand and he had a mediocre quarterback and Russell Wilson, as we know who he is right now, you know, not necessarily performing all that well. I do think like when you could talk to DK Metcalf or you talk the topic about him comparing him to DJ Moore, you know, there's a comparison to be made there where quarterback play declined for DK hasn't really ever been there for DJ Moore and yet still putting up some numbers, but DK took a hit last year when quarterback play was subpar. And do you think it's also because he has a much better number two that he plays with as well? Lockett is one of the best, if not the best, number two. I mean, Lockett will be uh, a one on a lot of teams. So that's something I, I wonder about. Is That's the glass half full or half empty argument. Mm -hmm. Because Tyler Lockett also is going to be taking attention away from DK Metcalf. Yeah, I, don't, I disagree with that. But I think the two... coverage is dictated towards DK. Oh no! You got to count. Tyler Lockett has five he, extra. He does has five scores in a row. No, he he does, but I think that Lockett eats off of DK. I think DK dictates the coverage for a defense, and then Lockett benefits from that. Well, I I think for both of these guys, if you have a good wide receiver on the other side, mm -hmm. then you can't just pay attention solely to one guy. It's the Reggie Wayne argument, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about his Hall of Fame candidacy. Was he able to eat solely because Marvin Harrison was the other receiver? But I do think that undermines the ability of Reggie Wayne having some attention taken on him, which allowed Marvin to be freed up a little bit more. And you can do that with a couple of these other wide receivers where I think they're, you could argue one way or the other. DJ Moore, the best wide receiver he's ever worked with was the thousand yard receiving season Robbie Anderson had. So I understand, like you could argue either way. I think it can go both ways there with one DJ Moore. How much of a difference do you think Kenneth Walker being out would make if he is deemed out of this game against Carolina? Well, it makes a huge difference because Kenneth Walker is proving himself to be a difference maker type of back for them. Uh, you know, he's had his ups and downs as any rookie would, but we've seen him show a lot of the flashes of what we saw at Michigan State, just the explosive downfield running ability he gives them to where if you miss a tackle in the hole or he gets on the outside, he's going to take it to the house. 
So he makes he balances out that offense really well. And I think if he's not able to play, they still may have a decent run game, but you're able to focus just a little bit more on that passing attack and what you can do to stop that. So, yeah, I wonder if Deontay Foreman as well is going to be able to get going again because if you were to say the offense goes as blank goes, it's really Deontay Foreman, right? No like doubt. Sam Darnold played off of their success in the run game. I think even with, you know, a PJ Walker, you know, you could say it's him being able to play well off of what they've been able to do in the run game. Running game has to get going for Carolina in this one. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you have a quarterback in Sam Darnold that his play is going to be dictated by how clean things are around him. I'm not sure that he's that quarterback. No, it's not that I'm not sure. I am sure he's not the type of quarterback that you're going to put the game on his back, especially in an environment like Seattle. As I said, this Seattle defense is very porous, but they do force turnovers. And this offense in Seattle can score points. So you can be down pretty quick if you're not paying attention to things. Sam Darnold is just not a quarterback that I feel like you can put the game in his hands to win it. He needs no. the run game, so the run game is vital. And last thing I did want to mention real quickly is something about Derek Brown, who not only has been a fantastic story on the field because that guy has destroyed any bust label that might have been coming for him. He has been amazing this year and has been playing at a Pro Bowl level. Well, he was also nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Cam Newton, also Thomas Davis, a couple of other guys nominated for that award in the Carolina Panthers organization's history. So since being drafted in 2020, Derek Brown's been involved with helping at-risk youth and families. His foundation has impacted over 3,000 children through community events and over 4,000 families through holiday gifting and resource distributions through the COVID-19 pandemic. Really cool to see this with Derek Brown being recognized. Yeah, I thought that was cool to see that as well because he joins uh, Thomas Davis, who's the only Panther that has won that award. And then Cam Newton was nominated nominated for one year, correct? Wasn't it Cam Newton? Not sure. Yeah, I, th I thought so. But yeah, Thomas Davis, we know for sure uh, it was. But yeah, so uh, I think that's just a great a reflection of the character aspect when you talk about drafting um, players that are good people out in the community. So he's continuing that. All right. So that's very cool about Derek Brown. And uh, now we will have the opportunity to go play some matchmaker. Few ACC quarterbacks transferring out of the conference what match do we think would be perfect for a DJU? Devin Leary, Brennan Armstrong. We'll get to that in just a moment. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. CQBs on the move. Quite a few guys in the conference. Hell, not even just the conference. Quite a few guys in all of college football transferring. Some of them will be with a home. Some of them will be without a new college football team because there's just too many different players that are deciding to go to different programs. But there's quite a few quarterbacks also transferring out of the ACC on top of all the other players. And so I thought it would be fun to play some matchmaker here. Fitty, because you're a dynamic producer, oh, is that what I hear in the background? I was going to ask if you had a bed for us. You do have one? You have a music bed? There it is. Some matchmaker there. All right. Let's go number one. Wes, I'll ask you first. 
When it comes to trying to make a match for DJU, who officially entered the transfer portal, who do you think would be his perfect match? Well, I saw that they said the commitment of his brother, who's a five-star defensive end, defensive lineman, may have a lot to do with that. And when you look at his brother's list, he's got Ohio State, Oregon, USC, Alabama, Arizona. I mean, do I see him fitting in at any of these places? I'm not sure that I do as far as Ohio State, Oregon. I would say, though, I'd like to see him go back on the West Coast if I had to pick a place uh, just based off if I'm going off intel that his brother is going to have something to do with it. Oh, God. I <laughs> so, mean. So you don't have a perfect what match. About, what about UCLA? Him and Chip Kelly's offense. But see, how's that much different than what he's running Clemson off based off what I heard about what he didn't. So I, I've got one for you. Okay. I do have the perfect match. All right. Uh-oh. And the answer's Oregon. And the reason I go with Oregon, because I think you have two physical quarterbacks. DJU showed that he can actually run the football a decent amount this year. 545 yards total rushing for one DJU. Seven touchdowns accounted for on the ground. If you go to Bo Nix and what he did with Oregon, he had 500 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns. So you get into some more goal line scenarios. DJU can actually kind of account for that. There is the added thing about Ty Thompson, the four-star quarterback that's still there. Maybe he decides to stick around, but he might enter the transfer portal when it's all said and done, too. So I think big-time recruit going back to the West Coast. No, it's not necessarily right at home in Cali, but you can still go to Oregon. And Bo Nix improved a lot as a passer. You can still have some type of passing improvement. Remember, it's not like DJU was awful the entire season, and we had the same type of reclamation project for a Bo Nix. I think Oregon is the perfect scenario for DJU to find a perfect match with the Ducks, similar to what Bo Nix experienced when he went up to Oregon. I'm going to go Kyle Golden Bears. That's what I'll go with. I'll go I'm going back home to Kyle. Golden opportunity. Right. That's what I'll go Why with. is that? Why Kyle? Just because it's home? Uh, Yeah, because it's home. I mean, Jack Plummer's a senior, so I feel like, you know, maybe he could step in. Kyle's always been known for that West Coast offense, even though I know everybody, it seems like, runs RPO. So, I'll just go with Kyle. <laughs> okay. There you go. That's the perfect match for DJU. What about Devin Leary? There have been some rumors about Devin Leary possibly going to Notre Dame, unless you wanted to have a perfect match. Hell, let's go to you, Fiddy. I didn't know if you were just going to be the producer or if you were going to be a competitor as well. Who would you say for DJU before we move on to Devin Leary? I said UCLA. Look at what Chip Kelly did with DTR the last couple of years. He's not the prototypical Chip Kelly quarterback because he never had a physical specimen like DJU, but it feels like Chip Kelly has gotten back into his bag at coaching college offense at a really high level, bringing that UCLA program back to the national forefront. That feels like a really good place for him. All right, I'm going to go first with Devin Leary, who is deciding to transfer from NC State. And there's one program that does come to mind because I think you have to perform better than what NC State can, right? If the Wolfpack... If they're projected for like eight, nine wins in a good season, who can be better? That's what's tough, right? Like sometimes those programs are going after already really talented QBs that are coming in. I think Notre Dame probably is the perfect fit for a Devin Leary. I think he would go in there. He could be the best quarterback in the room. You know, you could go there and even with Drew Pine taking those first team snaps this year, being that guy that replaced Buckner when he missed most of the season with an injury. I, I do think that there's still enough talent where Notre Dame would be attracted to Devin Leary and vice versa, because he's still, that's the thing, right? Who are you taking a step up for? 
So I think the Fighting Irish makes the most sense to me. That's the team that I would go to. I agree with you 100%. I saw he has also been linked with Syracuse as well. I don't. I'm not quite sure why he would want to go well, there. Well, Schrader says he's coming back too, which because I kind of thought about some Syracuse for even a Brendan Armstrong. That's not the school I'm going to go yeah, for. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Notre Dame as well. I think that would be a great fit. Notre Dame looks to end the season with a lot of momentum, and I think bringing in a guy like Devin Leary, while I don't think he's that great of a player, but I think he would be an upgrade over what they yeah. had. What do you think about Devin Leary, Fitty? If Penn State didn't have a five-star freshman that was is going to be ready to start next year for them, I do think he could be a good uh, that'd be a good spot for him. I like the Big Ten for him. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go Illinois because that's been the one Big Ten school he's been linked to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look look at what Brett Bielema did this year with Tommy DeVito and some other guys playing quarterback for them. He got them to I know they got seven wins, maybe even eight. You get a guy like Devin Leary in there, maybe that elevates them to win eight or nine games. Remember, the Big Ten scrapping divisions next year, so it's going to be harder for Illinois to compete for a Big Ten title without an improved quarterback. Devin Leary is better than anything Illinois has on their current roster. I like Illinois for Devin Leary. Yeah, and just going back to Notre Dame real quickly, so when you have Tyler Buckner missing most of the season with that shoulder injury, you know, Drew Pine already missing out on this Gator Bowl they're going to be playing in. And so he's transferring. That was 106th in the nation was Notre Dame's passing offense. Devin Leary can certainly lead them to a better number than that. Fiddy, we'll go with you first here. Brennan Armstrong, what was an amazing junior campaign, being able to run for that many touchdowns. He threw for, I think, 4,400 yards just a year ago. This year, the numbers were completely different. It was really, really bad. Where do you think Brennan Armstrong could go? I don't I don't really know where what makes the most sense for him. If Syracuse is keeping Garrett Schrader, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to go to Syracuse. Something yeah. tells me maybe Georgia Tech as they try to just rebrand and figure out who they are mm-hmm. with a actual starting quarterback as opposed to trying to win games with three or four string quarterbacks. Honestly, this could be a kid that I think could just end up back in Virginia once he gets the interest and realizes he's not all that sought after a second year in Tony Elliott's systems. I wouldn't leave the grounds if I was him. So we did get a text that Garrett Schrader says he's coming back, but maybe Dino Babers does get fired. That would leave that quarterback spot open. If that's the case, then maybe, but I don't see it happening. And I do think, and Garrett Schrader was good last year. And why know? would Syracuse fire Dino Babers? No, because they did have a collapse. Because that was expected when you saw the schedule and the quarterback got hurt. Yeah, I I still understand yeah, why you, maybe because it it's usually a, a regroup, right? Are you willing to go through two poor seasons before you get the unexpected season right after that? Go ahead. I was going to say TFB sent in. How about Missouri for Devin Leary? Their yeah. head coach recruited him to NC State. Could you imagine those two chaches out there getting so, their asses kicked in the SEC? So <laughs> I'm mad at TFB for writing this in, and I'm mad at you for reading it because. That's actually what I have for Brennan Armstrong. Really? Yep. So this is the reason why. See, Devin Leary, it makes sense because of the connection at NC State. No doubt about it. But if you think about the style of quarterback that Eli Drinkwitz has won with before, I go to Zach Thomas at App State. And Zach Thomas had an excellent year under Drinkwitz where he threw for the most amount of yards he ever has as a Mountaineer. Plus, there was that rushing style to him. I think Drinkwitz wants a quarterback that mostly is a pocket passer but can absolutely 
absolutely run with the football too. Brennan's stats went way down this past season, but we know the amount of rushing touchdowns he accumulated just the year prior. So I think Brennan Armstrong might be even more of a fit for a Drinkwitz run offense than maybe even Devin Leary. Brandon Armstrong moving on from Virginia, going to an SEC program that gets to a bowl game this year. Yes, you have the connection with Leary, but I think Brandon Armstrong might be a better fit for Mizzou. I have, I have the Tigers as a possible perfect match for one Brandon Armstrong. I'm going to go with Brandon Armstrong going out west to uh, Oregon State. I think they'll be looking for a quarterback, and he's one of the teams that he is also being linked to shown as a good fit for them so I think that would be interesting for him to go out there and play for Oregon State. All right, Wes you go first on this one. You brought up Sam Hartman Mm -hmm. who is another quarterback that we expect to play college football I guess right? I mean he said the last time he did media availability that he was not going to return to Wake Forest that he was going to be done. There has been the Florida rumors. Mm -hmm. Sam Hartman out of all these QBs, still the best one. I know that there have been times where he does not show up in bowl games, but Sam Hartman. In big games. Yeah, in big games and bowl games. Well, you mentioned that as well. So, yeah, Sam Hartman being that type of guy, do you expect him to be heavily pursued from some of these top-notch college football programs? Oh, no doubt. The gaudy statistics, some of those coaches will dismiss it as the fact that he had, you know, playing in the ACC or didn't have the requisite talent uh, to really be able to showcase his strengths. Uh, I will go with Florida because that's been the school I've heard him most linked with, even though I think personally for him, just based off everything we saw as far as just the the coddling by Wake Forest to keep him, shield him from the media, shield him from the noise. If he thinks that was noise, he's not even beginning to understand what it would be like to be a Florida (laughs) Gator and the expectations that that fan base has. But I'm going to go with Florida because that's what I've been hearing the most. But Coach Clausen said, hey, you know, He's going to get a lot of great offers. Why would we want to stop him from pursuing that? Um, So, you know, but I'm going to go with Florida. Yeah, I I think Sam Hartman is the guy that has the highest potential as far as the the attractiveness of any of these schools, right? Like we're talking about some of these other – Notre Dame is is certainly a huge program that could go after a Devin Leary. But if you're talking big-time SEC school, maybe some of these big-time Big Ten programs, maybe Sam Hartman would fit the bill more so there. All right, that'll do it for Matchmaker. Did you have another one for Sam Hartman? I'm going to change up DJ Udo. I'm going to go with uh, Arizona State. I I changed up because Oregon's offensive coordinators out there to help Bo Nix so much. Okay, so would you? So that's the what's the My reason? My final for Arizona answer State? is Arizona State. I said that the offensive coordinator from, he's going there from Oregon. Saying. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with that. All right. Last minute scratch for Wes in <laughs> <laughs> the matchmaker part of this uh, show with some of the ACC QBs transferring from the conference and going elsewhere. So as we kind of move on and talk talk a little bit more about college football and the way that it's headed this season. Fiddy, do you have one of these moves that will be the most consequential to these teams? Like, what is NC State going to do at quarterback now that Devin Leary is not coming back? And Andrea Adelson said she really wasn't all that surprised to see Devin Leary leave. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like you saw some good things as Wes Mutter there from MJ Morris down the stretch. I, I don't really know. I mean, maybe Sam Hortman because of how important he is as a leader to that Wake Forest football program. But this is also a guy that when the light shined the the, the most, just flat out was a failure. And, and, and so you could stand to upgrade because you could get a guy that when the when when, when the, the, the lights are the brightest is, is, is there to, to, to help you. 
I want to say Clemson because what if Cade Klubnick next year just isn't – what if he's DJU just reincarnated and he isn't ready and he, he can't steady the ship? As much flack as we gave DJU, outside of that second half against South Carolina, he wasn't their biggest issue all season long at times. And he carried them to some wins at Wake Forest, at Florida State, that had he not played the way he had, they lose those games. So this could be a decision where he leaves if Kate isn't ready, where Clemson is now kind of stuck where they've been the last two years, which is just average quarterback play. How much do you believe in Clemson possibly suffering the biggest consequence with DJU leaving? And I know you muttered MJ Morris, so you're a believer in him as well. Yeah, I like MJ Morris for MC State, NC State. He looks to be a guy that's going to be a good player going forward. I do think that Clemson will suffer from that because I'm, I'm – Already beginning to grow tired of seeing people saying the season that could have been and their top five team with Klubnik. I mean, he had a very simplistic game plan against a bad North Carolina defense. I think people are failing to see what he showed them prior in the season. And I, as I said, I feel like if people got on DJ for how good he was not with a coach who's proven that he will play the better guy, I think people are really overlooking the fact that K. Klubnik may not be what we think. Yeah. <laughs> The thing about Cade Klubnik, yeah, it's not like he was all that impressive in some of these other appearances that he had. At the same time, I, if if we were to play the devil's advocate argument here, it's not like he was able to get into a rhythm. You know, Cade Klubnik doesn't come in and start. You know, he's asked to come in cold and then deliver right off of the bat for some of these games where the earliest time he was thrown into a contest was North Carolina starts to get going, one, starts to cook right away. You could argue North Carolina's defense isn't good. Totally, yeah, He was doing this. He was throwing side to side. To, totally fair, but he also dropped some dimes when he was he throwing did. side. I mean, I mean down the after throwing eight side to side passes. Well, down the field, though, he was also throwing that touchdown. Well, that's what I'm saying. He got in a rhythm and he kept throwing those side to side passes and the quick rollouts to get him in a rhythm and then he hits a deep ball. Well, fair, but he delivered on those. He delivered on the touchdown passes he and he got into a rhythm, which he wasn't really allowed to with the other times he was thrown into some of these games. Like Kate Klubnick looked pretty good against Carolina when given enough of a sample size to judge him in my opinion but you still aren't that aren't that sold no i mean i think like i said next season we're gonna see about you that's what they say <laughs> in the streets we're gonna see about you yeah i we're just gonna see about you next year when it's your show so Wes, what would you do if you're dabo it sounds a lot like the way you talk about these qbs that you would roll with dju next year even over kate club no I'm not, I'm not gonna say that because i think dj's time as far as it's hard to go into camp you don't play him you play the new you play kate and then you try to go back to DJFK, doesn't work. I think that ship is sailed. I think they do need to part ways. He's got a recruit coming in. I think his name is Christopher Vizina, something like that. So you're just going to have to go with young guys, and you're going to really have to bet the house on K. Now, do you want to go into the transfer portal and grab a, maybe a veteran guy to be a safety blanket if, if K does not work? Perhaps that's a plan, but other than that, I think you just have to roll with Cade and whatever young guys and whatever guys you have behind him. All right, let's go to the walk-off and talk about what's on tap in the next segment, but not before the last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty? Well, Wes, you had this in your show topics for today, and it was just simply a statement. I'm tired of Odell. Well, <laughs> some news on Odell Beckham's free agency tour. He visited Dallas on Monday. That visit concluded yesterday. He left without an offer. The Cowboys front office does have concerns about him not being able to play until mid-January, that his ACL is not where it is supposed to be. 
with Dallas now backing off of the free agent wide receiver, do you see this? Do you see him landing on a team before the regular season comes to an end? Not right now. Not if his knee is not going to be ready until January. I think this is a much ado about nothing. We see the workout clips and we see just all this stuff about Odell all the time as if he's the second coming of Randy Moss. I mean, Odell has been banged up over the last couple of seasons. He was a great contributor for the Rams, but they're acting like this guy's a second coming of I'm not going to go there and, you know, get religion into it, but uh, I'm just sick of it. And so, yeah, I think now this is a big setback, and I think teams are going to be looking at next season for Odell. Yeah, I mean, there can be a happy medium here. I think Odell Beckham Jr. helps the football team. He absolutely helped the Rams last year. He wasn't the best receiver. Clearly, that was Cooper Cup. But Odell Beckham was good before he went down. And so if he's healthy, he can come help a football team. But if you're not going to be ready, except for the last game of a Super Bowl contest, ending year, then how in the world am I going to throw money at him to possibly play in the Super Bowl and rely on him? Okay, right. now you got to come in and learn the playbook, and you got to be just as effective in what you did for the Rams in your last... And get in shape? Yeah, no. I, look, I think it gets overstated how bad Odell Beckham Jr. is. Like, that guy did get off to a 1,300-year start each of the first three seasons he played in the NFL. That guy was awesome. Slant route could be taken to the house. He's 30, he's coming off a knee injury, and he can't help you this season? Yeah, if Dallas don't want him, nobody else should really want him like that. So, nope. no, I don't think he's going to get signed. This offseason, though, that's when he'll find a team after the Super Bowl is said and done with. That'll do it for Matchmaker. Time for the walk-off. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. One more segment to go. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Big thank you to Sam Farber talking with us about the Charlotte Hornets game tonight. Speaking of which, it's What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. I think 10-point dogs are the Charlotte Hornets tonight. Any chance for them, West Queen City Magic. Is there any, uh, the happen? magic normally goes away on the road, so okay. I'll say probably, yeah, it's going to be tough tonight. <laughs> Not going to be able to do it. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough tonight. Fitty, what kind of shot do the Hornets have? As long as the game doesn't come down to a box out, I think they've got a chance. <laughs> uh, but now on the road, I think Brooklyn's starting to figure out who they are with Jack Vaughn, Kevin Durant, and those guys. I like I like the Nets to win. I do like the Nets to win. Hopefully I'm wrong because I was wrong about the Minnesota Timberwolves game. The Hornets were able to win that one. So maybe it could happen again tonight. But yes, I will also go with the Brooklyn Nets instead. All right, that was what's on tap. Now let's go view what happened on this day in sports history. Well, guys, we go back to 1937. The Red Sox acquire the contract of a 19-year-old by the name of Ted Williams from San Diego from the Pacific Coast League, but he would not report to Boston until 1939. Wes, as you may know, Ted Williams is known as the greatest hitter of all time. I know who the hell he is. Do you? (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) On this day in 1939, (laughs) Lou Gehrig, at the age of 36, is unanimously elected to Baseball's Hall of Fame the sole choice for that year, the five-year waiting period is waived for the Iron Horse, who, of course, 
as you very well know, was starting to die from ALS. And then on this day in 2014, the first ever college football playoff with the expanded format for the national title was uh, the first field was announced and included number one, Alabama versus number four, the Ohio State. And, and then you had number two, Oregon versus number three, Jameis Winston. What do you guys remember about that first playoff in terms of an excitement level of it? Cardale Jones. That's what I remember of it. And yeah. Zeke, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah Zeke going ham. So, I remember betting on Florida State for the first time at a sports book and loss. <laughs> well, and also Jameis Winston. <laughs> it wasn't that the the meme fumble where he tries to throw it. Maybe it's like he picks up a fumble, tries to throw it, gets gets destroyed and then throws it backwards yeah is that what it was okay i knew yeah. there was something like that from Jameis winston so i remember that and then i remember cardale jones destroying oregon in the championship game for him to be able to be the third string quarterback who was it was a braxton miller and jt barrett that yeah, and then everybody thought he should leave early and go to the nfl only for him to end up in the xfl it wasn't good and plus when you think of cardale jones he talks about how we don't get we don't get recruited to go school at ohio state something like that. i remember chris get, carter calling him cough Dale Jones. Yeah, Cardell Jones is what I remember the most. Is that what you remember the most? You yeah. asking me? Wes, uh, you said oh. what do you remember no, the most? No, no, no. Like I said, besides the fact I lost money on Florida State, I remember uh, Ezekiel Elliott just running rough shot over the playoffs that year. That was spectacular. Yep, Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State and Urban Meyer uh, winning the championship with, again, yeah, I know, Urban Meyer. Can't believe it. Um, that's what I remember the most, though, for sure, from that first ever college football playoff appearance from some of those teams there, some of the, the big schools in Ohio State and Oregon. All right, text of the uh, text of the day. Um, I'm just going to go with all of the people roasting me for my bad math job earlier. You know, that's something where I said I'm not that stupid. But sure enough, I was when I was trying to double 77, call it 144. But in reality, it was actually 154. So I'll climb myself at the end. Um, do you have a final text of the day, Fiddy, that you found real quickly? I do not. Okay, all right. Let's go to final take of the day instead. Wes, what's your final take? Uh, my final take is the transfer portal is fun. Okay, short and sweet. Like it. What do you have, Fiddy? What's your <laughs> final take? Baseball free agency is starting to make a run Ooh. for being the best free agency in all of major sports. You oh had the you, you you had John Heyman reporting Aaron Judge to the Giants last night, first misspelling his name, then flat out being incorrect. Aaron Judge stays in New York on a nine-year, three hundred sixty million dollar contract. Hot stove this season. Has been very hot. I cannot wait for spring training and opening day. It's fun because you're talking about a former MVP winner not even really registering compared to some of the other moves when Jose Abreu goes to Houston. So an MVP winner goes to a World Series perennial title contender, and then we're not talking about that nearly as much because we're talking about Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, and now Aaron Judge coming back to the Yankees, but we all thought he just might go to the Giants. Wes, does it feel like we're kind of dealing with Monopoly money when we talk about NBA and oh, NFL man, money? Oh, man, no doubt. When you read it, it's just crazy just thinking about what the individual checks look like and just to think what it would be like to earn that type of money. So when you look at how you're going to train your kid to play some baseball. Are you going to make sure that he plays baseball and experiments with that? Or is it really all going to be basketball Hell for your no. kid? Uh, no, I'll let him play what he wants. I mean, if he tells me that he wants to play something, he commits to it, then he can play it. But what about football? Isn't there? Yeah, football. No, I'm not doing tackle football for a while. And so you're going to wait. Ever. You're going to wait until like 
junior varsity, varsity maybe if that would happen with him? Middle or? school at the earliest, and he would have to really want to play. My question about Fiddy, whenever he becomes a parent, if that ever happens, are you going to force him to play football, oh, basketball, no and baseball? What, like, what, what are you going to do sports-wise, except, gonna, for, ho- except I, for hockey? Yeah, no, hockey's not even a sport. <laughs> uh, am I going to force him? No. Will I encourage him to play multiple sports? Yes, I don't want them to be centered on just one sport because I think the best athletes are the ones that play multiple. But if I see my kid out there by like 12 or 13 with some big future in baseball, better money and less uh, damage to the body, I would push him down that path. Wes, are you more annoying in the fans as a parent or in the stands, I should say, is what you might imagine Fiddy will be when he's an adult? No, probably not (laughs) as bad as Fiddy, but I do. I try to stay subdued, but I do get a little worked up. There's got to be a story about you calling out the refs one time for something you absolutely disagree with. Well, I helped coach his team last year. I coached a couple of games, and then their coach, one time I did walk across the court to tell him something because I didn't like what was going on. Well, what was going on? It was a kid playing on the other team that was doing a lot of dirty stuff that could hurt the other kids, and their coach, he he was soft, and he wasn't saying anything to the refs or to the other coach about the kid. So I went and told him, I said, hey, man, are you going to say something about this before somebody gets hurt? Because, I mean, the kid was, like, throwing his shoulder into people and just doing a bunch of stuff that could have got kids hurt. It was, like, Bush League stuff. I'm all for the pettiness, but it was Bush League stuff. And I was like, he needs to say something either to his coach or the referee. Fiddy, I can't imagine officiating a game that your kid is going to be playing because I imagine you're going to be one of the worst parents in the stands. You don't have to worry about me. It'll be my kid telling the official to get his head out of his ass. That's true. That is true. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be your kid that is the the problem there. My mom was pretty bad as well. There's a famous story where she could couldn't think of anything better to say, but somebody pushed me in a transition opportunity. So I, I hit the layout. I know she was sticking up for her boy. You're damn right. But she got mad, gets out of the stands, goes to the front row. Okay. Mm. And then yells at the official. Where's the foul whistle boy? That's wow. what. And so that's whistle that's, boy. I yeah, like no, that she, insult for a ref. I yeah, like I know. That. Yeah. Whistle boy is what she said. She couldn't think of anything else. Didn't want to curse in front of everybody. But yeah, so that's like exactly what she boy. said. I'm going to start using that. Whistle By the boy. way, the that's hockey right. geeks are mad that I said hockey isn't even a sport. Yeah. We're going to take Fiddy. I did. First, the fact that he won't even begin to be able to skate will be for starters. Oh, and no. then skate with 240 pound guys flying all around trying to knock your head off. We'll see how much you think is not a sport. You're talking about a guy who one time in summer in summer school won 27 races mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a skating rink out of 28. Okay. I was 27 and 1. Was that a torn ACL moment for no, you this, as well? No, this was pre-torn ACL. This all was right. my athletic right. pride. But did yeah. you have 240-pound guys trying to knock your head off? No, but with all that padding, it doesn't really make a damn. All okay. Right. All right. Yeah. Perfect. We'll end on that note. Stick around for Kyle <laughs> Bailey with Smoke Ludwig coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.